It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. He has also parted ways completely with no. Dispo. No, 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 no. See, that's what I think is interesting. What's going on, everybody? And welcome back to Watch Time as we return for our first episode after surpassing 100,000 subscribers on YouTube. So thank you guys for that. that thank is a you, guys. 100,000. Turns out people really liked hearing the story about Lannan getting a glass thrown in his head. Look, not our usual content, but here <laughs> for it regardless. I mean, it kind of, I, like, we're just talking about our lives and the business that we're in and what yep. we're trying to do. So it was a good story. Very grateful for 100,000 subscribers, though. How's your week been? I mean, like, good, not good like new Fortnite season since you know the last episode it's been the first week of that which has been interesting the start of new seasons is always awful because all the tryhards come out of the woodwork and just make your day an absolute pain sydney got literally once in a century levels of flooding so i had the other night i did the funnest thing i went out with someone and this was like as the storm was about to come in over sydney and just went out with the full agreed understanding that we were going to get not just wet but to direct, like literally I may as well have jumped in an ocean and we were going to be okay with that. And literally was just walking around absolutely soaking wet, like head to toe, jumping in puddles, people looking around at me like I'm an insane person, which I That's guess maybe so fun. I am. Literally though, I was there. I was like, oh my God, this is great. Like just watching rain hit you in the face and wind blow and everyone around you like hiding under umbrellas and just being like, I choose not to care about this. It's actually- so fun. So freeing. Literally, it was really freeing. I was like, this is so impractical and that's what makes it so fun. Oh, that's good. Do you know what? I was talking to someone the other day. So I was talking to Hoodie who works with Lannan on his team and Hoodie is actually in Canada. And it's funny because everyone else obviously is in Australia. And I feel like Hoodie sometimes feels left out that he's on the other side of the world. And he really, really tries to keep engaged with what everyone's doing in Australia and what's happening. And he called it a biblical downpour the mm. other day. And I was like, oh, I like that phrase. And then today it's like the first sunny day in a week. And he was like, hey guys, like the sun's out. And I think it's just so funny that like Hoodie, who's like on the other side of the world in like freezing cold Canada is like keeping an eye on the weather so that he knows like yeah. where everyone's at. <laughs> yeah, no, I love it. And I also loved, I mean, the number of memes that came out of this where it was like, 2020 kicks off with like ridiculous levels of bushfires and drought that absolutely decimate the state. And everyone's like, oh my God, like these bushfires and the dryness is just like insane. Literally at almost the exact or slightly later, but similar time, one year later, yeah. we're getting once in a century floods. People are evacuated. People are evacuated because of fire or flood. Welcome to Australia. We don't know what the climate is, but apparently it does what it wants. But to jump into the first topic of today's episode, you guys know, you already know I hate it. that it's not possible that we can't talk about the biggest news on the internet. I want this, and I want to say, I hope this is the last time we talk about this topic for a very long time, because I feel like people meme the fact that it's always a topic, but it actually has just been the yeah, biggest we, topic for the we last We can't few not weeks. talk about it. And it's David's second apology. I think I want to say last week, I'm pretty sure I said on the podcast that David needs to do a second 
second apology video. Jack, editor, can we play that back? Hi, uh, my name's Jack. Grace didn't actually say that, but she almost did. If you want to hear what they were talking about in last week's episode, the link's in the description. You should go and check that out. Quickly catch people up if you're not aware. I'm going to do a very, very top line rundown. David Dobrik, huge creator, almost 20 million subscribers. One of the most popular people on YouTube, had a bunch of controversy where uh, where things that had transpired in his vlog had questions around like consent, both from what he himself instigated and also what the people in his vlog did and he made entertainment from. Effectively, he put out a pretty subpar apology video about a week ago and then just yesterday put out an actual apology video mm-hmm. that he put on his main channel, eight minutes long, actually delved into the topic relatively strongly. The comments were on. Comments were on, likes were on. Like ratio on it was huge. Like, is I think the actual content of the apology was, and the delivery was almost flawless. Like, mm. I love that we're like literally evaluating it like an Oscar nomination <laughs> performance. Where like- Beautiful. Yes, the delivery of the latter half of the script was incredible. Editing, but, amazing. Editing, incredible. That part where he came to tears for a moment and then cut to right when he composed himself again, just to show there was true emotion, but he didn't want to over play it stunning loved it i think the actual execution of the video uh, i think you people are always gonna you know point Critique. to this and that and that but i think as far as as far as <laughs> i just love that i'm rating apology videos as far <laughs> as apology videos that i've seen 10 out of 10 oscar nomination absolutely incredible this stuff this is where we're at in our careers i do think he actually did he confronted the topics properly he uh talked about the right things it felt like he owned um, all the important areas. I did. I do genuinely get the sense that he has remorse and hates that this happened. Oh, that was true remorse. Remorse over all that sponsored dollars that just went out the door. Yeah, and of course, we can't talk about this in a vacuum. Also, since the last podcast and over the last week, almost all of his major sponsors have cut ties with him. Oh, SeatGeek even. Even SeatGeek, which is pretty... Pretty phenomenal. Paid for his house. Paid for his house. As well as Dispo, his startup, which we've obviously spoken about a lot, had its leading fundraiser pull out. They'd put $20 million into Dispo not less than two months ago. Yeah, so that actually is probably the most interesting bit of fallout to talk about, um, which which I don't know whether or not this is kind of emphasizing the point that a lot of the time making an apology video makes things worse. But right after he put out the bad apology video, well, like this had been happening for three or four weeks with almost no kind of fallout for David mm-hmm. directly. And then he put out that bad apology video And as soon as he put out the apology video, investors were pulling out, sponsorships were being dropped. Mm -hmm. Like it was, it was weird that- Like uh, an acknowledgement of wrongdoing. Yeah, it was an acknowledgement of wrongdoing where it was like, okay, this is actually a thing now and sponsors had to pull out. Yeah, He has also parted ways completely with Dispo. No, 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 no. See, that's what I think is interesting. Is Dispo, which is the, for anyone who, once again, quick TLDR to bring everyone back in the loop- uh, David Dobrik, very fav- famous for using a disposable camera to take photos, uh, created an app where you effectively recreate the vibe of a disposable camera, built that app around it. It had a valuation of several hundred million dollars uh, that he didn't wholly own, but they had a lot of investors behind it. And as of uh, yesterday or the day before, he stepped back from Dispo, is no longer uh, on the board or kind of having a role in its day-to-day. But the reason I pulled you up on he completely removed himself from Dispo is he would absolutely still be a huge heavy owner of the app. He didn't sell his share. And I think that is the important thing. And that's what most people are pointing to. They're like, look, yeah, we get it. He's not on the board. The app doing well still benefits Hmm. him. So it's actually, it's more a optics point 
than an execution point. Whereas the investor that pulled out has publicly said that they will not profit from the app in any way. It's pretty amazing and I think it lends to a bigger conversation around the risk of venture capital firms and businesses being based off one person's personality. And I think this is something that is really interesting because as a manager, I think there's so much potential in creators to be investors and to be creating products that do really well. And when they do well, they do so well because these creators have such an inbuilt marketing and distribution tool that makes them so powerful and allows businesses to accelerate faster than they would ever be able to otherwise. There is this key personnel risk. A lot of the success, a lot of what a product or app or service is connected to is someone's personal reputation. And how much is Dispo Dispo? And how much is Dispo David's app? I would say 80% David's app. And for venture capital firms that want to invest into these business, how much is how much do they have to consider that? And and is that the right thing to do? I think when it's done well, yes, but it does it come with additional risk that they might not see elsewhere in the market? It's, also, it's, yes. It's very interesting though, like the risk around personalities. I almost think that, I don't know if there's a single creator I would anymore say. I'm like, oh yeah, no, they're safe. Very much probably to my own like blindness to it. But if you were to ask me three months ago, who is one of the most like safe creators on YouTube in terms of their reputation? Like who is universally mm. loved, not controversial, hasn't done any like real awful bad guy stuff. I probably would have put David pretty near the top of that list mm. because it's normally just very good vibes, very edited content, doesn't really show much like of his like personal, personal life. It's all the skits that you see through videos. So there's not really a chance of, I don't know, random stuff coming out. Yeah, Like you say, the the strength of Dispo and what got at that crazy valuation was David Dobrik. And mm. ironically, the thing that is probably going to lead to its total collapse is David Dobrik. The thing is, what you say about that, how you feel as though no one on YouTube is completely safe from this happening to them, it's because YouTube will continue to produce people like David and YouTube will continue to have these sorts of problems because this is exactly the kind of behaviour and creators and content that YouTube rewards. YouTube rewards people that are pushing the boundaries that are creating content that gets a lot of clicks, that has a little bit of shock factor, that makes people say, wow, did that really happen? Did you actually do that? It's YouTube. What makes YouTube so special is that it shows people's whose lives are on like level 12, when yep. most people will only ever get to like level seven or eight. And that is what makes YouTube so appealing. And that's when you look at all of the big creators, literally all of them are doing something to an extreme. If they're David, they're living a life that's like a college frat life that most people will never, ever, ever get to experience. It's a friendship group that is completely on another level. If you look at Mr. Beast, Mr. Beast is doing content that is excessive. It's excessive content. Like if you look at all the big gamers, they're living these insane lifestyles that most people who like to play video games on like a level five or six will never be able to achieve that sort My of... My lifestyle is pretty boring. Just want to clarify that for everyone, guys. <laughs> will never be able to achieve the kind of lifestyle that these massive YouTubers are able to live. That's right. If you ever thought you were going to be able to sit at a desk and play Fortnite while staring at a monitor for six hours a day, wrong. Because apparently only I get to do that. <laughs> but to me, that is exactly what 
makes YouTube so special yeah. is that YouTube gets this balance between relatability and aspiration. And it's like everyone that watches YouTube looks at David and says, oh, that could be my life. Like I have a friend that's kind of like that or I go to college or I get drunk with my friends on the weekend. Like my life could be like that, but it's an extra like over the top version of it. People look at Mr. Beast and think like, oh, I know I have a friendship group. Like these are the kind of things I could do, but you can't because you don't have that much money to do it. Everyone likes playing video games, but it's difficult for people to do it as a whole full-time job. And that's why YouTube will continue to produce Dobrik. I just, I just love that. Um, like you look at Mr. Beast, like I have a cool friend group too. I could be Mr. Beast, but no, you can't because you can't buy a private island because you're not worth $30 million. Literally. Long story short, being a creator is a very, very hazardous, hazardous thing. I mean, like I think, I think literally it's something we always come back to when your career and your content revolves around, like you said, the extreme going, you know, all out, all out, all out. 98% of the time, you might get that right. You're going mm. all out gifting your friend a Ferrari. You're going all out giving laptops to schools. But uh, I mean, it just seems like, and don't get me wrong, not that this should happen, but it just always seems mm. to happen that every creator who is going to this level of extreme occasionally loses perspective on what's okay and what's not okay. And, uh, and they just start seeing it as the content and it leads to yeah. the Logan Pauls, the David Dobricks, the pretty much every creator out there where eventually your stuff gets so extreme or it goes extreme into the wrong areas that it turns into this. There is a lot more awareness around like what is and isn't appropriate and what people are okay with that maybe they weren't okay with, that they aren't okay with now that they were okay with a few years ago. And um, I, th I just like, I think it was really like quite heartbreaking, honestly, to watch the section of the video where David was talking about the fact that it took him a long time to come to the terms with the fact that Dom, one of his old school friends, could possibly do bad things and treat people badly and make them feel really, really uncomfortable and pressured. And I think coming and, and the fact that that took him a long time to come to terms with is something that I feel like is such a societal problem right now mm. and that a lot of people I know have friends that are like, oh, we know they're a little bit questionable or we know they sometimes say controversial things, but like they've always been there and they've been a good friend to me through the tough times. So I kind of excuse it. Yeah. And I think it really shone a light on how prevalent that can be, whether you're, you know, like a regular person with your schoolmates or you're David Dobrik and you've got the biggest friendship group in the world. Hopefully this will be the last time that we have to talk about David Dobrik and his apology and the fallout from it. Yeah, we're done. This week there is one other big topic that I personally am very keen to talk about because I love the content that came from this thing. Yeah. I just think it's genuinely a very interesting topic when you go from, I think, the surface level view that a lot of people have to the more actually when you stop and think about it level. And which, that is all gas, no breaks. Yes, which if you're not aware is one of the best channels on YouTube. It I, is one of the best I, channels I'm on so YouTube. I'm so conflicted. Part of me is like definitely go and look at it right now if you haven't already. But then the other half is like, oh, but I hate what happened. So like maybe don't go look at it. Basically, you should look at it. If you haven't heard of it, it is, honestly, the content's amazing. It is this 22-year-old guy and two of his friends who film and do the production would drive around Australia, sorry, not Australia, America, to the most crazy things. I'm talking uh, to launches of rockets where there's a bunch of like um, 
flat earth conspiracy people. He would go to flat earth conventions and interview people. He would go to crazy rallies and interview people. Yeah. He would go on like Sasquatch hunts and interview the people who were hunting Sasquatch. And he would just make the most incredible interviews about the people who do who, who are just like on the fringes of society in these just ridiculous groups and you're like oh my god these people exist this is insane and he would do it in the funniest way now it was truly unique youtube content this young yeah. guy traveling across america in a van and he did it in a really respectful way as well it like allowed you an insight into the actual mindset of these people yeah on the fringes of society in a way that felt respectful as well. And I, I thought he was truly a brilliant creator. Absolutely. He was definitely one of the best. And I hate, well, I, I, hopefully I'm not saying was permanently, but effectively uh, all gas, no breaks hadn't posted a video in about, I think four or five months at this point. Yeah. Now, after a few months of silence, uh, they put out a cryptic post on their Instagram saying, Hey, big project in the works, more to show soon. On the all gas, no breaks. On the all socials. gas, no break socials. Now, uh, or very soon after that, uh, the host of the show, um, who is literally the personality behind the entire thing, uh, it would kind of like be like if any of your favorite YouTubers on their channel, you know, like Laser B, myself, like we are the face of the channel, the voice of the channel. The mm -hmm. channel is us. That that's how all gas, no breaks felt. Now, uh, he on his personal Instagram put out a post saying. Hey guys, I'm no longer associated with All Gas No Breaks. I don't receive any of the ad revenue, any of the Patreon revenue, any of the merch revenue, and I will no longer be producing shows on it. Um, and effectively alluding to something along the lines of, he learned a lot about why you should read contracts before you sign them. The full story has since emerged on this topic. And effectively what happened was when he graduated from college and he decided he wanted to start kind of producing this kind of Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. A very freelance, but, you know, uniquely styled content. He teamed up with a production company. So when he graduated college, Andrew, who is the host of the show, uh, went to a production company called Doing Things Media and basically pitched to them what he wanted to create. He said, you buy me this RV and hire a couple of my friends and we'll go on the road and create content. Because he couldn't afford to do it himself. Yeah, and that's an important the, point to clarify. Yeah, couldn't afford to do it himself. Now, the terms of the contract uh, have since come out now that all this has happened. Effectively, what Doing Things Media did was they said, yep, we like this idea. Um, they bought him the RV. Paid they, him a salary. They paid, paid him a salary friends. of, I believe, around $40,000 a year. Also employed the two friends who he wanted to take on the road with him. I'm guessing at a roughly similar salary. Uh, and then gave them a 40% revenue share of the show. So of whatever the show generated. So uh, the, Andrew, the host, would get 20% and then the 20% was split uh, between the other two friends. Now, um, effectively, I, I believe along the way they had some slight creative differences. Andrew wanted to go in a slightly more serious direction, actually covering topics that were 
socially important to him, like the Black Lives Matter protests and um, all that kind of stuff. The doing things media was really pushing it, like, no, 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 keep doing the funny stuff. Um, but ultimately they did leave the creative control in his hands. They also started to push on things uh, like actually getting some consistent delivery of videos because as anyone who followed that channel knows, they were very sporadic. Sometimes you get two in a month, other times you get one every two months. Mm -hmm. um, and ultimately it just seems like this was a strong, there was a strong creative difference where uh, he decided he could no longer really work with doing things media. And crucially as part of when the contract started, he signed over the ownership of the All Gas No Breaks IP, the content, the name, everything, over to Doing Things Media. And because he realized he doesn't own that content anymore, he doesn't uh, really have, he has more, more and more by the day, limited creative control. He decided he wanted to step back from the project and it sounds like Doing Things Media is trying to find new hosts to keep that brand going mm -hmm. that can work in not only America, but also countries around the world. Yeah. So- this brings us to the topic of, is there a bad guy in this situation? If so, who is the bad guy? What are the lessons? And generally, what do we think about the situation where this person who is very much the lifeblood of the show uh, didn't have the control and the ownership over it and ultimately had to step back? So I think the two of us have a really interesting perspective from each of our positions and what we do every day on these sorts of issues around media companies, around contracts with creators, around what new media looks like and how those sorts of agreements operate. Really, really takes me back to the conversation that we were having almost a year ago around the Barstool Sports issue with the Call Her Daddy girls, which was an extremely similar situation. Wow, that actually is very similar. Where basically... Uh, the Call Her Daddy Girls pitched to Barstool Sports that they had this concept. Barstool was like, yep, sure, we'll pay you a salary to do this. They weren't otherwise able to monetize it. They spun it into Barstool Sports. It amassed an absolutely massive audience, which was undoubtedly exclusively connected to the girls' personalities. Yep. Then the girls decided that they wanted more. And Barstool said, sorry, tough titties, like that's the... Well, no, actually, to, to be fair, to recap that, Barstool actually did come back multiple times and said, okay, we can give you this, this, and yes. this. But ultimately, and they owned the show and they weren't going to give that up. Yeah, they weren't, they weren't just going to give them the whole show and let them walk away with it no. after they'd invested in building it up in the first place. And I think in these situations, from an audience perspective, it's extremely easy. And, and honestly, when I heard the first situation of the old gas, no break situation before under understanding the behind the scenes of what happened I was like that's devastating like Andrew is all gas no breaks there is no all gas no breaks without Andrew yeah undoubtedly so it's the same with anything in life like down with the corporations up with the individual is generally the way that I think we tend to go with most things in society and I think especially when you see a personality like Andrew's that you love so much uh you like and when you hear that because of a disagreement with a company that content is no longer going to exist in its exact same form. That is devastating. And it's easy to think the company got greedy yeah. and they've pushed him out and they didn't appreciate how special what they have was. Yeah. I think that is a bit of a simplistic way to think about it. And it's really not thinking about it from the practicality of how this whole thing started. And I'm not saying that any of these situations are perfect. I think the fact that these issues happen and will continue to keep happening as these sorts of new media companies arise, you need to take it back 
to day one. Andrew wanted to do this project. He couldn't. He couldn't afford an RV. He couldn't afford to not work for a period of time. And he found a company that was willing to take a chance on him and pay him to create this content. And that is something that the company took a risk on. They paid for this RV, they paid for three people's new salaries, and they paid for the resources that it took to actually create that content. Let's call it all up, I don't know, 150, 200 grand a year. That's not an insignificant investment for a company to make. No, and I, I think as well, the, the like, you know, a lot of the time it helps me at least to put yourself in the shoes of that company. Imagine some random guy that, you know, his his previous experiences, I worked in my high school newspaper, which is essentially what Andrew's situation mm-hmm. was. Had like, a, he'd, he'd filmed some very similar content, tall gas, no breaks around his college from what I understand, but it was obviously did not have at all no. an established audience. And when they and took it on, all gas, no breaks was nothing. It's yeah. easy to remember how Zero, big it is now, yeah. but at the time it was an idea. So imagine a guy who worked at his college newspaper comes to you and says, hey, I need 200 grand and an RV because um, I want to try and film my YouTube video. And I want you to pay for it. And I want you to pay for it. I'm sure that people will really disagree with me here. I am amazed he got a contract as good as he did with that pitch. Like, don't get me wrong, there is a big difference between uh, if you have like a huge existing audience and you're like, this is going to be my strategy to move my audience from yeah. my existing channel into this new one. I need all this production stuff. Let's do it. But if a random, a, a lot of the time, if a if a random person comes uh, like up to, uh, and wants to work on a project, going to a company that would be like a salary situation. Like, yeah, we'll, yeah. we'll pay you to produce. You that have no for proof us. of concept. You have zero leverage. And he got a forty percent revenue share and got them to cover all the expenses. Yeah. To me, like, I, from a pure once again, love the content, love Andrew, one of my favorite people to watch on YouTube. From a pure business standpoint, I'm like, holy crap, he must have negotiated the hell out of that. That's incredible. Or they just must have really yeah. believed in him as a content creator. And a lot of companies will do this. I think Barstool, the situation that happened Barstool with Barstool last year is a classic example. They might take on a number of new projects throughout a yeah. year. Let's say they take on like eight or 10 projects over a year. Some of them might not do well. There was every chance that all gas, no breaks could have not taken off. And they, in their content, in their contract, have made a commitment to pay him and his friends for a year. And they could make no money on that. There was no guarantee it was an idea. In which case, they've lost 150, 200 grand. If these companies take on projects, they need to take on projects that allow them to lose money on projects that might not work because they're taking a bet that maybe they will have one or two that take off and offset the losses on the other projects. And I actually tend to have a fair bit of sympathy for the people running these media businesses because they're taking a chance on young, unproven talent. When they succeed, that's brilliant, but also that's the risk and reward element of the relationship that you took on. And if they were to uh, just be like, oh yeah, for sure, like we'll just let everything go as soon as any of those projects starts making more money than it costs, which is about the point that all gas, no breaks had reached. Yeah. You don't, th- there's, there's no business that's model there. Business if there. you only get to keep the IPs that lose money and as soon as an IP starts making money, you have to just cancel the contract and give it away. Literally. No one would ever be able to start these projects in the first place. And the important thing to realize here is that it is that business model and that understanding of investing in in something that is going to lose an obscene amount of money early on, but maybe possibly one in 10 times make money in the future. That is what allowed all gas, no breaks to exist in the first place. 
Yeah. It's like literally without that business model, without them willing to take that chance, which they wouldn't have taken without at least some opportunity to recoup, all gas, no brakes just simply probably wouldn't exist. Yeah. Um, you're never going to find a company that you can go to and say, hey, I want you to pay for this entire YouTube channel. Also, I want you to let me continue uh, owning it and walk away with it whenever I want. And also, I want 100% of the revenue share. Doesn't exist. No one's going to do that. Why Why would I give you my 200 grand? Yeah. There's there's no upside here for me. Yeah. Given that I actually think that the, uh, the media company is actually reasonable in their position, I also can fully understand him as an individual wanting to step away from that contract yeah there was some venom or some anger in his instagram post very understandably being like i learned lessons about why i should read contracts fair by and large it just sounds like a situation where they were like we need you to deliver more content and we want it to stay in this comedic style he was like hey me as a creator can't rush out episodes and also i want to make them slightly more serious ultimately he decided that that creative difference meant he couldn't go forward with it. I still think, even though I don't think there's a bad guy and I don't think the media company is an enemy in a sense because exactly for the reasons you explained, that's how their business model works. I do think the fact that these issues keep happening is a sign that something needs to change and there needs to be a lot of thought put into incentive programs around media companies like Barstool and like this company Um, around how they are able to attract great talent and retain them as well in a way that makes them feel adequately rewarded. Damn, I want to say it'd be really interesting to talk to Dave Portnoy about this or Eric Nardini, but I feel like they're probably super busy and don't have time for watch time. But But the important thing to remember as well is that this media company, from the sounds of things, at least what I've looked into, they're significantly smaller than Barstool Sports. Mm. So for Barstool Sports, having a runaway hit like uh, like that girls po- like the girls podcast was obviously a great thing for them, generated a lot of revenue, fantastic. But also at the end of the day, if they decide they can afford to be a bit more casual and like, yeah, whatever, like we'll give you the IP in like a year from now and we'll pay you a bunch more money, whatever. They've got other IP, they've got other things that they can build on and ultimately their business isn't really revolving around that lone podcast. But for this small production company, they might've taken gambles on 30 different YouTube series over the last five, 10 years. And this has been the one brand that they were actually able to have succeed and build into something that, because they were talking about hiring presenters in other countries and actually turning this into kind of like a, almost like a comedic vice is what I describe it as, where they're going into crazy parts of the world with these crazy presenters and creating funny content that shines a spotlight on those fringes of society. Yeah. And they were like, okay, and you could you could imagine from their channel, it's like, okay, we've, we haven't really landed anything huge, but wow, we finally got this opportunity to create a literal brand and IP around this show yeah. that we invested in years ago. And that's a really cool opportunity for us as a company. Actually, I don't come down on either side of this argument. No. I can fully understand and very much believe in the argument that he, as the person who concepted the entire show came up with the idea executed the idea stylistically it was fully his it is there's an argument to be made that that's not the same as um as just hiring someone to produce a show it's not like they were like we want to create this show where someone travels around the country and they're like a wacky presenter and they found him and they hired him and they made him do it he very much concepted the whole idea from the ground up and executed it from that point so i can understand a much stronger feeling there that 
try that someone taking that idea and the ownership behind that idea from him, even though he very willfully signed it away, I can understand that hurting totally. and being a bit different. But at the same time, read your contracts. <laughs> read your contract. I think that's what it has to come down to. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think it's critically important. I don't know if there's anything more to say on that. Yeah, but I think also it's important to remember, I keep saying it's important to remember. There's a lot of things that are important to remember on this topic. Guys, keep notes. Keep remembering, please. You know, you see the personality of um, of him in front of the camera and because of that, you're, you very much empathize with him. But totally. at the same time, there are people behind this production company too. And once again, I'm totally spitballing here, but they could very well be two people who took out a loan to try and fund this in the first place. And they yeah. were in debt and they're finally recouping on this. You never know the scenario behind every situation. And it's always important to remember that, especially with these small production companies, they're people too who are trying to work in the same space. Mm. Just because they're not the one in front of the camera doesn't mean that they're also not invested in it and struggling to kind of make their way through. But ultimately, I think my takeaway is he is a shockingly talented presenter. I literally one of the most incredibly talented people I know. I would back any project he works on Absolutely. in a heartbeat. I'm not worried. I think he will be fine. Not a question. He will come back. And also now there is enough awareness about him as an individual because once again, all gas, no breaks is... It's, it's him. Yeah. Um, and, and while I think that format could definitely be awesome, and I'd love to see this production company take it international, and even though it won't feel the same as the original presenter, I think it's a very cool concept. Get, I do. Doing these funny interviews of fringes of society. I am also sure he, in an individual capacity, will return. I'm sure he'll bring a similar style, and he'll probably now have the creative freedom to go and do... Uh, the much more kind of occasional serious stuff that he wants to do. He should probably have made sure he had some ability to not necessarily own the IP outright, but uh, a clause similar to what Barstool Sports offered mm. the girls in regards to the podcast, which was you can't walk away from this for X number of years. And after X number of years, we... Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. He can give you the opportunity to take that IP back if you want to make it your own again. Something mm. like that. But 2020 hindsight. It's always a good thing. It's a good thing in theory, but no one has it. So And you never know. If he'd if he'd pushed for that and he'd been unwilling to give up the IP, he may have never gotten the chance to make the show and never would have gotten the chance to build his individual profile and never would have gotten the chance to potentially start whatever new show he wants to go sure. into. And so ultimately at the end of the day, as much as I can understand it's a very sad, sour ending to what that partnership was. I think that there is no denying that that partnership was a great outcome for him as an individual in terms of being able to actually build out his own solo career yeah. and really kind of put a solid mark in the industry. 100%. And I'm sure he's going to be able to just absolutely catapult off that and do something else incredible. Let's uh, let's all pray that David Dobrik doesn't do anything crazy over the next seven days. Seven days, David, that's all we ask. We don't want to talk about you next week. It's done. It's over. We're, 
we're capped. Don't forget to uh, rate us on Apple Podcasts and and on the video and hit subscribe if you're watching on YouTube. Wherever you're watching, rate, comment, do the stuff. You know what to do. But uh, yeah, I think uh, until the next week's episode, we will say bye-bye.